There are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels. Let's go. This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Revenue Driven CMO. Uh, I'm here today with an amazing marketer who um, his philosophy just aligns with mine in so many different ways. He's a passionate data-driven marketer with over 20 years of experience in marketing and communications. Uh, he's won dozens of awards, like including the Innovator Award for the most creative use of Gong. And he's currently VP of Marketing and Sales at DataRails. And ladies and gentlemen, this is Aviv Kanani. Uh, Aviv, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Uh, really excited uh, to be here today. I'm super excited to be here today. And I love the secret that you selected. Like it's it's something because most of our business, or not most, but uh, at least half of our business is in B two B, and sometimes you know B two B can be boring. And so I love the secret that you, that we talked about pre show. And please drop it on us. Yeah, so I've been doing B two B for a while, and I'm a strong proponent of the fact that B two B it doesn't have to be boring to boring. Started IBM. I went to my way across like different startups. Uh, like you mentioned, now I'm at Data Reels. Uh, we're a solution of FPNA to the office of the CFO, right? It sounds like kind of boring and formal, like, right? You're assigned to CFOs or finance people. It probably needs to be very standardized. I like, can need to talk just about our why and numbers, but no, we want to make it fun and engaging. I really believe that at the end of the day, marketing is uh, all about really getting to be like getting them engaged and excited. And yeah, we can yeah. even make FBNA sex. Well, I think getting attention is the first thing, right? Like if you, if you can't capture somebody's attention, there's no way that you can sell to them. Uh, and, you know, pre-call when we were talking about this, I liked the concept. Once you shared with me some of the ads or some of the actual posts that you guys were running, I was like, wow, this is brilliant. Like you don't see that a lot in B2B, but um, how did you come up with this? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll be happy like uh, to elaborate and like to your point. I think that the problem we have in marketing is that nine nine percent of marketing or ads is just noise. So you want to get outside of that. You want to have people uh, notice you, especially if you market to them. You know, on like LinkedIn or if, uh, even Facebook, like you're competing with their friends and colleagues and uh, politicians are interested in or influencers they follow. You have to do something that is remarkable, that's different. That's interesting. So, for example, like in our uh, data reels, LinkedIn page, uh, you know, it used to be just like boring things about, you know, features in our product uh, or yeah. general things highlighting, I don't know, people in a, a company or like who we're hiring, like what kind of positions we're hiring for. We right. changed that. We created like a media company within uh, data reels and we generate content like two posts per day. It can be funny memes about finance. Yes. FBNA professionals have a sense of humor. It can be sharing and highlighting uh, what influencers are posting about uh, the world of FBNA with like cheat sheets about accounting and FBNA and best practices. We we're talking about different uh, FBNA leaders that were able to really change uh, 
the direction of their companies, even Amazon Prime. I don't know if you know, like was actually started by, by uh, someone that was leading their FP&A at Amazon. And uh, yeah, like one of the examples I show, shared with you before is like we just uh, posted, again, we do it on a regular basis. Sometimes it flops, sometimes it's, it succeeds. We did like this funny meme, this short video of like FP&A going like through the mud, like a truck. Again, you have to follow our channel to understand it. Well, got- I have to share that because some people yeah. will be watching this on video, right? Yeah. Um, so I'll share it for them uh, and then I'll just describe it for the people that are on audio. But, uh, but this, this is just brilliant. I mean. Yeah. Like we, we got like thousands of like hundreds of comments, dozens of shares and like people are sharing it, talking about it, really enjoying it, showing and uh, commenting, noting, uh, you know, mentioning their friends. And like, again, we're a B2B startup, a LinkedIn page. Yeah, let's let's see it. <laughs> so, can you see my screen right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. So, this is the ad, and this for people on audio, this looks like a monster truck. It looks like a monster truck getting ready to drive into this ditch, which is filled with water. And on top of the monster truck are the spectators. So, it's like people, I guess, taking a ride on a monster truck, and they're slowly. So. Oh, and what is that Titanic music in the background? Yeah, yeah, it's hard to get the music in the background, but yeah, there's like a Titanic music in the background. So it's the Titanic music in the background, the near, far, wherever you are. And then, oh my God, it's so funny. Like the visual, so it's these excited, you know, these excited partygoers on top of a monster truck expecting a ride in this monster truck. And they're in this water and they're just like slowly sinking and sinking deeper and deeper. The camera zooms out and it shows the, uh, the, the people as the budget and the FPNA software. Oh, the reforecast reforecast. It's so good. It's just too good. Sorry. I know that wasn't the best for, for the listeners, but, um, that's that's incentive go go grab the video of this you can find it on the site or uh or probably on linkedin we'll definitely share that little snippet with you on linkedin but that's so good like and oh by the way so data rails has twenty thousand followers uh organic followers on linkedin just to give you a sense and that particular post generated at this point 2300 uh likes 77 comments and 162 reposts right but like how do you come up with that like 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 who like just tell us like where does that come from with the titanic Uh, music like who comes up with that starting with that we have like a great marketing team actually like all of our linkedin efforts are led by our director of uh, brand and communication his name is jonathan marciano and uh, yeah, like uh, even the fact that we got to like 20,000 followers is, is amazing. Again, we're a startup of 100 and something, you know, employees. And we just surpassed companies with thousands of employees that are our competitors in terms of followers. And we're trying to do, you know, just fun and engaging and interesting, thought-provoking content on our page. And, and like I mentioned before, the goal is to be a media company. Our goal is to have people follow our LinkedIn page. Yeah, they. Well, we want them to check out our content. Looking forward, you know, to the next piece of content. So again, I encourage all of you if you want to uh, check out our page. Even if you're not an FPNA, maybe you can get uh, inspired and get some uh, ideas. So, but most of the work here, I'll attribute to Jonathan Marciano for my team. 
And where did where did Jonathan come from? I mean, did you hire him, or was he there already? Yeah, he came. Uh, he was also director of communications in other companies. Uh, but we, it's important to mention we're doing it uh, across different teams. What you saw now is an organic post. We do the same thing also with ads. So with an ad, actually, my director of user acquisition, acquisition his name is Hod Sivan. We create a funny uh, video, but uh, don't touch my sheet. You know, not sheet. And uh, again, like, funny like ad, check Excel it out, sheet. like on YouTube. Yeah, yeah like it's all about like making those jokes about, you know, shit and shit and so forth. And right. again, like it's hard to describe. I'm just saying like once we did that, we got so many like different comments from people. Like we, we had, we doubled like the job in our while only right after we launched. And I think like it's not only a matter of, you know, the leads that come in. And again, we have great ROI and we'll talk about it later, but it's also a matter that you build that fit. You want like a company that uh, is likable and uh, that you can relate to. And hopefully, you know, eventually we will make the sale, whether it's now or a year from now. We want people to like us and follow us. That's awesome. And uh, and for the audience who, you know, may not be that familiar with the FP&A space. So FP&A stands for financial planning and analysis. We haven't talked much about data rails yet. We'll get into that. But um, so don't touch my sheet refers to like an Excel sheet, right? Because most of your your customers, before they meet you, they would be doing all of their financial planning in Excel. So it's like, hey, don't yeah. touch my sheet. But it's exactly like, like but it's we have a, a software selling to FPA professionals that most of their job is just within Excel and really sort of supercharge their Excel, automate it, create all the consolidations within Excel. We integrate, you know, with QuickBooks Online, with NetSuite and a lot of other software. So it's really taking your FPA work to the next level. So a, lo- a lot of what we do is really related to Excel. Uh, so, you know, we are trying to play a lot with it, whether it's with our different user acquisition ads or with our organic content, like getting people to relate to something they're uh, very aware of uh, and like the tool they're using all day, which is Excel. Yeah. I got to see the don't touch my sheet ads. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, uh, so you mentioned, so who came up with that concept? Was that also? Uh, the communications director, or was that the user? No, that was actually our director of user acquisition, Hod Sivan. And also, it's a program we did with Google for Startups. Uh, it's a program that we did with them. So it's like a joint uh, program. The goal was uh, really to do campaigns on YouTube. So we funded half, they funded half, and they connected us with a great uh, production company called Blackboard. And uh, together, you know, we came up with the idea, filmed it, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing app. And like, also, everyone in the company really likes it. I think that's important as well. You also want to get the internal, uh, you know, support uh, from people in the company. And like, I think you need to create content that is good enough that your employees really want to share it, as opposed to what a lot of other marketers do is like, kind of you kind of beg people in the company, please share our stuff. And like, if they do it by themselves, it means like you have good content. That's such good advice. And you guys are clearly, you know, beyond the curve, meaning like you're, you're more advanced than most because most marketers and most advertisers are still producing content that you would consider to be of the boring variety. Um, I am, well, I love this topic. I have like a hundred more questions for you, but if you're speaking with somebody, say you're speaking with a with a peer of yours, a colleague of yours, uh, and you like, and they basically say like, okay, well, what can I do? Like, like what, what step should I take? Like, imagine that, you know, I'm in a world where we're creating generally boring content and boring campaigns. Like, how can I take a step towards that 
funnier, like it seems like you rely a lot on humor, right? So how can I get toward that funnier, more engaging thing if there's some barriers? For instance, a barrier might be, hey, I don't really have any good ideas. Like, like you know, those are some really great ideas that you had, how to generate ideas. Or maybe the barrier might be, hey, you know, the executives are a little bit more, you know, a little bit more conservative, a little bit hesitant to do things like that and to put things like that out into market. What what advice would you give them? Yeah, so a few things. I think first of all, you really need to understand your target audience. You know, what makes us as marketers laugh, it's not the same thing as finance people. I think you really need to understand that audience. And at the beginning we made some mistakes, so stuff that we thought is funny and was less funny, I guess, for finance people. Uh, but there is no replacement of trying to be uh, creative. Uh, I think the second point is, and this is really important. When we first did it, a board member asked us, why are you doing this? Like you're selling to CFOs. This is a bit embarrassing. Why are you making like these jokes? So my second point is that you have to have guts. You have to say, trust me, this is going to work with time. And it's not that the first video we did had like 2000 uh, likes, uh, like the example you showed before. We had a lot of content that didn't work. We still have content that sometimes uh, doesn't work. You need just need to keep and be persistent. Do it on a daily basis uh, for the organic content. Uh, same thing also, I think, with the user. Sorry, with the um, user acquisition. Uh, we try a lot of different things. Again, I gave you an example with "Don't touch my sheet," something that worked, but there's a lot of things that don't work. Uh, and I'll give you like maybe the third uh, last <laughs> point here is. Connecting the, the previous two is the fact that if you need help with creativity, you have great tools like ChatGPT. And I'll give you a great example here. Uh, at some point, our product marketing manager left the company. So we have a motion designer on the team and he was stuck because he used to work with her on creating the content and scripts you know, for videos because it's important to mention, most of our user acquisition ads, the one that work is actually user-generated content kind of videos. It's like really fun, engaging videos. Again, very different than what you see like in the industry. So he started using ChatGPT, and all of a sudden, ChatGPT gives him a lot of ideas. He's running around in the office with like cameras and mics, and they're like, well, filming employees. And actually, our best performing ad in the past year is an ad, a funny ad we did with just like a random employee in the company uh, that he's trying to be like this cool SPNA person. It seems like super basic. We wrote it again, like in less than a day. Again, we plus ChatGPT. And uh, it's working amazingly. It just looks authentic. It looks real. It looks fun. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I would combine like all these things. And especially, I think the main point is like have guts, try things, and be ready. Some things are not going to work. That makes a lot of sense. And the first point that you made was really to understand your audience. Uh, so, understanding your audience, which you could also use ChatGPT to do. Like you could use ChatGPT sure. and say, hey, you know, here's five ideas. Here's my audience. Like, which of these ideas do you think would resonate most with them? Uh, yeah. But yeah, Definitely. so know thy audience, right? That's 101. But have some guts, have some, have some, you know, some chutzpah and say like, yo, like when the board member does give you, give you sheet, when they try to give you sheet, <laughs> be like, hey, this, this will work. And it will, man. Humor is so universal. If you can make exactly. somebody laugh. Exactly. It's like it's relevant for everyone. And like, again, even finance people have a sense of humor. There are people at the end of the day, you're not selling to a business, you're selling to human beings. 
You just need to really understand them. And again, willing to make risks. Like, for example, like one time we tried to do like this funny meme with like Beyonce and it, again, it didn't work and it was kind of awkward because like we didn't understand the target audience uh, correctly. But once you understand them, like we also, again, like I have dozens of examples. We also did something with uh, uh, actress, you know, from uh, The Office. Uh, again, something super basic we did with Cameo and that also resonated really good. Uh, but you really need to understand what they're passionate about and really show them as the heroes. So like the finance department as the heroes, show them that you really care about them, that you understand their own you know, inside humor. And uh, and also try you know, speak with clients or speak with members of the team that might be you know, from a financial background in our case or people that used to do FP&A and get their inputs. So how do you deal with copyright issues? Like with that, with the, uh, the organic post that we just showed, like you, you guys didn't record that. Like that wasn't your footage i don't imagine but how do you navigate like when you're using beyonce or the you know this or that actress or even just a piece of footage that wasn't that didn't belong to you in the first place no comment or we'll move to the next question or like okay. but seriously like, do you again, want to next that like, i'm not but i'm actually we're here amongst friends right so um i can say that um again i used to work at ibm many years ago i think there are things you can do when you're a startup that you can't do when you're a big company and especially, I think when you start up, you just have to take risks because if not even IBM, let's say like Amazon or Apple or Microsoft, you know, they can play it safe. Everyone knows them. Everyone's expecting, you know, what they're going to do next. You know, when Apple makes, you know, their announcements, like people just join uh, an online feed and like just want to hear out, like, you know, what the, the CEO, uh, Tim Cook has to say. But when you start up, no one cares. No one cares about your product. No matter what is your value proposition, they just don't care. You have to make them care. You have to stand out. You need to interrupt them. And you need to make that experience uh, pleasure, like uh, pleasurable. And you, you just have to take those risks. And this is one of the risks uh, that you take. Yeah. And it's probably not a big one. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think the the punishment would be really all that bad, especially with because like with meme, I mean, everybody does that with memes or with, you know, little crowd, little social clips. So that's yeah. badass. This has been one of the coolest conversations and one of the coolest secrets. I love the idea of ads that are not boring, like ads that don't, I, I usually call it ads that don't look like ads, Yeah. Um, but ads that don't look like ads, ads that don't suck, ads that aren't boring, especially in B2B, man, like everybody needs to take take at least a sliver from this conversation and inject it into their marketing and their ad campaigns. Yeah. I can actually give you like another uh, example, which example I love. I used to work at a different startup called WordKeys. And over there, we were selling to uh, electricians, locksmiths, like a CRM, also to junk removal people. So we did this like expensive ad, didn't work, didn't really move the needle. So then we had another idea. We found on YouTube this uh, so-called influencer, a guy that explains about junk removal, how to own your junk removal business and be good at it. He had like a thousand followers. That's it. Okay. So we reached out to him and we told him, how about we do an ad together? And we offered him $300. Okay. Because again, who in the world would ever come to him and also offer him to do an ad? We also, once we, we wrote a script for him, we asked him to shoot it because again, he had a you know, he has a camera and all that. He used to do like uh, YouTube stuff. Once we got this back, we also had like this guy in Upwork, you know, edit it. 
from Sri Lanka. So the entire cost of the ad was $500, but it was super authentic. Like the guys, like you wrote the script, but the guys like walking around in the junk removal truck talking about different things. It was our best performing ad for two years. And the thing I love the most, it didn't only bring our why to the point you were mentioning, it gets so many comments. People are saying, wow, Austin, you do ads now? This is great. And a lot of junk removal people started commenting on it. And again, it's not organic posts, it's an ad. And people were starting to have really cool, engaging and like uh, real conversations on our ad. Like there's nothing, you know, you can expect more of an ad uh, than having that. So uh, that was a remarkable experience that I'm always trying to like uh, get more uh, wins like that. But it's hard because sometimes you'll fail. That is so cool, man. And, uh, and you have a lot of win stories and you guys are hustlers. Like you, like just the idea of like, Hey, go hire this, go hire this, uh, micro influencer with a thousand followers and have them to record it. And then, you know, have somebody on Upwork to, you know, to edit the video. Like that's, that's hustler mentality. That's startup mentality. And that's, that's admirable. I like that. Thanks. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the stuff that you guys do as well. It's like, I think that especially when you serve startups or smaller companies, you just have to think differently. If you're going to play by the same rules as the big companies and the enterprises, you're never going to win. Yeah. Cool. Well, tell me, um, we've, we've spoken about data rails. We, you've told us some of your, some of your big wins and you've called out some team members. Um, are there any other, or is there anything else that you want to, uh, call out in terms of big wins like we've talked about sort of like individual ads at this point but are, is there any sort of more macro elements that um that you're really proud of in your time there so far yeah so i think what i'm doing now in data rails it's interesting i joined the company about a couple of years ago and when i joined actually the company was 95 percent outbound and like 40 sdrs and in the past two years, like we started making all these changes going more into inbound, you know, the founder brought me in to say like, okay, everything's going well, like we're growing, but like tried to do something in marketing. And actually two years later, I can say that not only am I managing now the SDRs and the sales, but 95% of our revenue comes from inbound. Uh, so it was like a wow. complete shift. And like we grew to six in the last couple of years. Uh, so yeah, it was a big change. I think it's also... In revenue also in building the brand and um so you yeah, went from 90 percent outbound to 95 percent inbound basically yeah, switched yeah. it completely switched the model and i'm so happy we did it in time because uh when i joined you know it was before everything happened in the market i think outbound today is much harder than it used to be uh people are more hesitant spending more money on things they don't have very high intent on so I don't know where the company would have been if we didn't do this switch uh, really to inbound. But again, it's uh, really based on the, the great uh, team we have. Like I mentioned, like with uh, Jonathan Marciano as the director of content, uh, Sivan mentions the user acquisition. Uh, I mentioned also, I forget to mention the name, but like our motion designer does like all the ads like in the office with the camera again with zero dollar production other than his salary. His name is uh, Omar Yadgar. And again, we have another team of about 10 uh, so, uh, yeah, we really have like a, a great, uh, marketing team here. Nice. Well, that team deserves some props, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for that team. That's awesome. And you as well, sir. Like, where did you come from? Can I hire you <laughs> as a consultant? <laughs> you know, like, the official answer is like, I'm a happy warrior. Uh, 
But no, but it's important to mention, you know, we as every other company today still have like, our struggles, things that we're trying to uh, to still figure out. Um, it's not easy, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, I think, you know, they always say that the goal of marketing is to make sales easy. It's all about showing the revenue and you have to keep uh, pushing uh, things through to really make sure that it's not only like you do fun things that you can say uh, and show your mom or friends and saying like, oh, this is a cool ad I did or a cool organic content. At the end of the day, you need to show uh, ROI. So that's like my uh, main focus. And um, what would you say, just curious, what would you say was like your most formative experience or your most formative years? Like, was it your time at IBM? Where you kind of, where you kind of like grew into your own skin, so to speak. Yeah, it's hard to like pick one. Also, maybe like in working as my previous company, the fact that like it was the first time I was giving the opportunity to really manage, you know, like a marketing team from the ground up when I joined. It was just like me and like uh, one employee in marketing and another like one that was a, f- a part-time employee, and we helped the company grow from like a, uh, around A to around C company. Raised like a hundred million dollars, and like we uh, we had like at the end like uh, nine people in marketing, so that was really fun. So you get to like explore Waller a lot. I used I worked there. One of the people that helped me the most uh, that I hired was our user acquisition manager, Roy Nar, uh, that did a great job there. But I think you you never know something until like you get your hands dirty, and that's like the reason why I wanted to leave IBM or like a big company to be in like a sandbox, like this little. little a startup that you can really go wild, test new things, and at the end of the day, you also want to have fun. You, if you really believe in something, uh, you have to go for it and uh, test it. Uh, worst case, you know, you get fired, but it, it's worth uh, the risk. I think it's like why always, you know, do just the regular things, wondering what would have happened if you really went with what you believe. <laughs> worst case, you get fired. I love that. Well, hopefully, you won't get fired for <laughs> for an ad that doesn't do well. But um, cool. Well, back to data rails. I'm curious. I mean, it sounds like you guys are just kicking ass and taking names, uh, and and really taking the FPA and A, and a space by storm. Uh, what are some of the things that you're challenged by? Like, what keeps you up at night? Um, yeah. So one of the things that recently happened, they brought you also to manage uh, sales. So now VP marketing and sales. So one of the things I'm trying to work on is really the full buyer journey. I feel that uh, there might be issues in like what we see in marketing and how we do the handoff to SDRs, how the handoff happens from SDRs to sales, from sales to pre-sales. I want to create like a full uh, deal buyer journey where everyone understands like what happens. So, you know, because at the end of the day, like we see it as like different teams, but for our client, it's just one company. And I think if we create an amazing experience, not only in the ad, but all the way through to the moment, you know, they sign the contract or even do like the kickoff, you know, customer success, that is what's really going to make the difference. And sometimes, you know, uh, everyone's passionate across different teams. And uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes you can do with something in marketing and it can really clash with something that happened in sales or customer success and all that. So really creating an amazing uh, buyer journey is really critical. And that's uh, main focus uh, I have now. And I think it's going to help improve you know, with conversion rates and help the company grow even more. Yeah, that makes sense. And what is your sales model? Is it like a free trial model or is it more of a like speak with a sales rep and get yeah, so it's a, like get a with a sales demo. rep and it's like an annual contract. And so that's why I think it's even more important because at some point you just like, you know, you move outside the 
online world into, you know, like just having the one-on-one conversation with sales. I think that's a part that's harder to manage, you know, whether you're in marketing or sales, it's, you know, based on the one-on-one interactions. So uh, you really want to have, you know, the sole team on board of this kind of uh, buyer journey, client experience uh, to make sure it's really uh, a great experience uh, uh, that, you know, we're presenting to the prospect throughout any uh, step they are in the cycle. Yeah. And I mean, in, in a long selling cycle type of environment, uh, remarketing is usually like one of the things that I go to most, but I bet you, well, actually, no, there's almost two ways you could do it. It's almost like you could exclude your, your active pipe from seeing any ads. Like all they would see is the organic stuff or on the flip side, you could target them specifically and like bid up on them and, and, you know, attempt to, to serve them with messages that would align or otherwise like, you know, help that sales process go along. How do you think about that? Like when you think about audiences and audience management, do you tend to exclude those folks from your retargeted campaigns or do you add them specifically to their own retargeted campaigns? Uh, we do a lot of retargeting. I really believe that especially today, 2023, um, you can't really measure the buyer journey. I remember like 10 years ago when I was like, less uh, 10 years ago when I was at IBM, you know, we used to like draw a chart of like, okay, you got this email, you download this ebook, then you do this and you do that. But like today you don't really know, like one person can just see a lot of ads for half a year, then click on something, then ask a friend, then go to G2 and check your reviews and then ask for a demo and later go back and read an ebook. Like you don't really know. So I want to have like uh, create like a great experience throughout understanding that I can't really control it. So yeah, throughout like the whole buyer journey, I'm going to keep serving ads, uh, keep showing, you know, uh, you know, our best features, uh, you know, not only with ads and newsletters, everything uh, we can do to really push them, you know, through the finish line. Nice. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, and it's true. You can't really control the buyer journey. You know, and, and I think even, you know, eight or 10 years ago when we thought we could, it was probably similar where, you know, we thought we were controlling the buyer journey, but actually I I like, I like your philosophy of, you know, regardless of the path, regardless of the touch points, like make it cohesive and make it, make it aligned and make it powerful. I dig that. Yeah, that's why yeah, that's why it just needs to be great. Like everything you're doing, whether it's a newsletter or the ads, it can't be just like great ads, but like bad newsletters or back sales experience. Like you want to be on top of your game throughout. And and even, you know, like like you mentioned that also in the past, let's say even 50 years ago, you couldn't really control anything. Like if someone goes, meets colleagues at a bar and talks about your company, you don't know, you know, they say that the, the brand, your, your brand, it's what people talk to you behind your back or when you're not in the room. So uh, it's the same thing. I wondered if like a few CFOs meet and mentioned that I realized maybe even if they're not clients because they say, oh, I really like their ads or I like their content or they seem fun. And like, if it's something positive, do you like, you know, the moment they will think about an FBI solution, I hope they're going to think about us first. Yeah. Yeah. And they might say, they might be like, oh man, I was seeing the funniest uh, content on LinkedIn. I can't remember who it was from. Let me go look it up. And they would probably pull up their phone right then and there and find you. Exactly. Um, cool. Well, you're clearly doing good things. I think that company is really happy or really lucky to have you. 
uh, and they recognize the talent that they have in you. And they said, Hey, Aviv, you know, don't only own marketing. Maybe you could be in charge of sales too. And I have a feeling that soon they're going to be like, Oh, Aviv, maybe you could be in charge of customer success and maybe you could be in charge of product and maybe you could just be the CEO <laughs> before long. Once they have a time, we have great colleagues here in customer success and great CEO and COO, but like, yeah, I'm happy I can also help here in sales. And I think that's like for me, a, a learning process. I'm growing, I'm learning more about sales, like a great sales team I work with. And I think it's important that every time you step into something new, you, you, know, you come in humble. I'm sure like I have things to uh, help uh, the team with and come up with, you know, different kinds of ideas. But like uh, at the end of the day, like uh, I think it's all about finding, you know, the, the right and smart people to work with in the company and getting their ideas and making sure that, you know, you really, uh, that there's great alignment uh, throughout. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm interested um, to talk about recruiting and talent. Um, but that's a good segue into the next question that I have for you is that uh, if we look at, out into the future, you know, the rest of this quarter, the rest of this year, maybe next year, what are some things that you guys are investing in or, or thinking about, whether tech or talent? How are you guys redeploying capital? Hmm. Um, yeah, int- interesting question. I'll tell you one thing. Because of like the current economic uh, situation, uh, like a lot of other companies, you know, we have to do like some kind of small layoffs and all that. Uh, but it's great to see that you know, we're still hitting our numbers as before, improving our CAC. It, I think in the past year, it like uh, it's reduced by like half of what it, it was last year. Um, but the way that we're figuring out, I think is twofold. And this is my recommendation. It's what I'm trying to tell the team. Everything that we need, like that is manual or you need support with, rather than thinking as the first solution of hiring, there's two other things. Offshore and AI. So for Chat example, right. yeah, for example, like our SDR team in the past, we have, like I mentioned, 40-something people in the U.S. Now, it's a team in the Philippines, all run through Upwork. We have like a great uh, manager for the team. Her name is Jordan Ross. She manages that team, and it's, they're super productive. They're just as good as Americans or Europeans or people from every, any other country, uh, and they do exactly you know, what they, we asked of them. Highly recommended. Once that was a success, we also starting now supporting like our marketing operations person with having her, her like all the manual stuff she's doing. Like we got her also like someone in India to support her, and we're trying to uh, leverage that as much as possible. And the second point is uh, AI. Like I mentioned before, is you know whether it's for writing scripts or uh, helping with ideation, you know, for blog posts or other things like that. Even we create now a process where the AI listens to. Uh, SDR calls and it decides if it should qualify to a meeting or not. Really, something great that was created by our marketing operations manager, uh, Edith Rosen, and also our SDR manager, Jordan Ruas. We worked on it together. So it's great. Like ChatGPT actually tells you if you qualify the meeting. Amazing. Wow. That's awesome. So, what do you do? You grab like the call transcript and then you run it through ChatGPT with a prompt. Exactly. Yeah. Asking for specific questions. You know, we have like six different criteria to pass, uh, whether it's, you know, a title, a company size and other things. And like, uh, if, uh, you know, based on the transcript, uh, ChatGPT makes the decision. So for now we see like more than 80% of uh, the qualified calls also are approved by ChatGPT. And every time ChatGPT says something different than the SDR, 
then like Jordan, the SDR manager, she listens to the call and then, you know, makes a decision if it was the right thing or not. But like we're guided now and we want to make those transitions into AI as much as possible. By the way, it's also happening within our product. It's very product FBA conversation. Uh, but like also in marketing, we'll try to leverage AI as much as we can. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm very curious about that. Uh, without getting too deep into the weeds, I'm curious uh, for Data Rails and also just any other companies, how do you guys uh, manage your ChatGPT subscriptions? Like, does your team, do you have a Data Rails, like ChatGPT account where everybody's using your, everybody's using Data Rails account? Or are individuals using their own ChatGPT account? Yeah, so I guess it's one of the things I need to figure out as well. Currently, just individuals are using it, and we're paying, you know, for ChatGPT four. But uh, if someone has like a better idea, please like <laughs> ping me like in LinkedIn. And the cost is not that high, so I'm approving it to everyone in the team that uh, wants it. But I'm sure, like with time, there will become better best practices to have it do that. Yeah, our CTO has built like an interface basically that uh, that everybody uses where you could select either ChatGPT 3.5 or 4. You can change the temperature and all these things. And it also built BARD into it because BARD is better than ChatGPT in some cases. Like when you need real time, like if you want to do competitor research, for instance, like because BARD can just search the web like that. Whereas ChatGPT could, for a little while, search the web. I think they took the browsing feature away for some reason. But even when it was live, that browsing feature, like it was very slow and very, you know, hit or miss. Uh, yeah, I think it's that's why I think you really need to, as a manager, educate your team and uh, ask them to try AI. And sometimes, you know, they'll come up with ideas, like I mentioned before, that we didn't think about. Like, you know, the way that they came actually with that idea is that I gave a challenge to the team. I told them, uh, everyone needs to, like, start using AI for something they're doing, not for the product, but something to help make their lives better. And the winner will get a prize. And actually, the idea I mentioned before with SDR and uh, and AI came up, you know, from from that kind of exercise. So, again, I encourage all the VPs, CMOs out there to just uh, let your team uh, come up with ideas, and they're probably going to think about better ideas than you can. That's brilliant. Well, Aviv, this has been an inspiring conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I want to get you out of here on time. Uh, But I'm really impressed with what you're doing at at Data Rails. And I love, like, I just love your ads. I love the content. It's just funny, man. It's funny. And it's, it just, it really resonates, I think. And it really uh, stands out from, from the crowded marketplace. So very well done. And, and props to your team as well. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, it was great like being on your show again. I listened to a few episodes even before, and it's, uh, I learned a lot you know, from different guests uh, that you had. Uh, and I think this is what's interesting. I think the industry is changing a lot. So it's all about just getting different ideas from uh, other CMOs, finding best practices here or there, and implementing it. Um, so... Uh, Thanks, you know, for uh, having me on the show and for running this podcast. It's awesome. Absolutely, man. So there's one last thing we got to do, which is the lightning round, which is the three questions that I ask to every guest. And you just shoot from the hip. Don't think about it too much. But question number one, 
if you were to start a side hustle, what side hustle would that be? I think I would use my powers for good, like maybe try to be a CMO for some kind of a nonprofit or some kind of cause I really believe in. It's hard, you know, when you have to pay the bills and all that, but uh, I would love to do some kind of volunteer work uh, like that. That's a good one. Cool. And then top three books or authors or influencers that have really made an impact in your career. Yeah, so the first one is very popular is uh, the book Influence by Robert Cialdini. I read it also when I was in college, and I think it's great not only for marketers or salespeople, it's everyone that wants to be successful in life or, you know, with partners, with family, with business, uh, anything. Highly, highly recommend it. The other one is uh, Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely, uh, also Israeli like me, and he also uh, was my lecturer at Duke when he studied there. Uh, Great guys, super uh, entertaining, and that the books are uh, all the books that he wrote are great as well. Nice. And the last one I tried to add, you know, a sales book. So I just recently read, you know, the Challenger sale, and I really liked the, the approach there. Uh, again, it's not that we're using it now, but it just gets you to think about sales in a different way. And I think that in general, I highly recommend marketers to read more sales book. Just really to. You know, increase your breadth of what you uh, understand and know, and also understanding your sales uh, counterparts. So, yeah, I recommend that book as well. Yeah, I've, I love the Robert Cialdini uh, books. That guy's genius. I've never seen Predictably Irrational, um, but Challenger Sale, absolutely. And I think I think marketers uh, would be would be well uh, served to read more sales. Um, and also to do more sales. Like we've had guests recently that have been like, hey, CMO, like jump on a sales call. Like, <laughs> like go be an SDR for a day or two and see what that's like. And it's really, I mean, it can be, obviously it's going to be challenging, but it, um, I think really provides a lot of great perspective. And, you know, some Definitely, of the best. Yeah, it's super scary, I can imagine. But like, yeah, I think it's, it's important to put yourself out there and take the, the risk. I think some of the best marketers are like, used to be salespeople or even used to be devs like you find some really talented marketers that have an engineering or a development background so i think that cross-functional skill set is really important cool question number three how do you avoid getting burned out and how do you help your team to avoid that as well that means just like having fun and enjoying the ride like at the end of the day i think what we're doing especially today in marketing as opposed to the past is it's like a game you know you get a budget you need to drive x amount of revenue if you look at it like as a game when, you know, you were a teenager staying at home, like playing a lot of uh, video games, like I look at it the same way. It's like uh, you have a goal, you want to accomplish it and you want to enjoy it as much as possible. So like one of the ways that I do it is, you know, going wild with my ideas and my team's idea to also do like uh, the engaging and fun content that we spoke about before, but also remembering, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, just a job, just a company you don't need to stress out too much and they try to say the same thing you know for uh, the team members sometimes you're going to have good months sometimes you're going to have bad months but you really need to enjoy the ride and enjoy what you're doing and feel like uh, you're engaged and you're learning and i think uh, everything follows that i like that i like that just a generally light-hearted mentality i think that's really that's really smart and that's really good most times people will say something like you know we encourage vacation or we encourage like like no work Wednesday or no meeting Wednesday or things like that. But I like that perspective of just, you know, enjoy the ride, take it light, take it easy. I mean, spoiler alert, we're all going to die. 
at some point. Yes. You know, this is, you're not going to be thinking probably about data rails on your deathbed. So, yeah, you know, it's always surprised me. You know, when I went to like business school, I had a few friends that like went on to work in like companies that, you know, they grind you to death and you have to stay really late. And like, uh, it's all about FaceTime and fake stuff. And like they were saying, no, but it's good. It's like, it's going to help me in my next step in my career. And I'm like, you live only once, like uh, try to enjoy like every job you do as much as possible. You know, then you can move on from one step to another, just to move up, you know, the chain or up the pyramid. And like, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, I don't think it really matters how much you're earning. Like uh, at the end of the day, like we spend most of our time at work uh, or even think about work. So yeah, you better do something you actually enjoy. Love it. Love it. All right, Aviv. Well, uh, time's just about up here. Um, for everybody that's listening, if you are enjoying this, if you learned something, if you laughed a little bit today, drop us a like or a comment or share this with a friend. Aviv, uh, if folks want to learn more about you or Data Rails, where would you direct them? Um, yeah, so uh, please follow me on LinkedIn. Feel free to add the MA. Be happy, you know, to get your thoughts. Uh, if you enjoyed something I was saying, or enjoy like our ads or getting content, let me know. If you think it's all fake and fluffy, and uh, let me know as well. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts. Always interested in having conversation with uh, other marketers or salespeople. And uh, yeah, always looking also to get inspired by uh, other ideas. Awesome, Abi. Well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I'm sure everybody really enjoyed this. Stay on the line uh, just one minute. But for everybody that's listening, that was another awesome episode of Revenue Driven CMO, and we will see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, Web Mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, no hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.